hello welcome back to to be human sorry for the few week hiatus i was really busy and had a lot of technical difficulties i'm having to re-record episodes with people which is so embarrassing <laughs> i am just such a noob constantly learning um so sorry for the couple week hiatus and not being super consistent hopefully i'll keep being consistent going forward but who knows I have a full-time job and social life, so it's a lot. But I'm so happy you're here. Um, if you are new, my name is Lauren Hawk. I am the hostess of this podcast. Here we talk about spirituality, personal growth, plant medicine, uh, relationships and love, all kinds of fun stuff that relates to expanding our consciousness and living a life, like creating a life that we really love and reprogramming and deconditioning subconscious limiting beliefs so it's juicy and it's fun usually I have an episode every Wednesday usually it's with a guest sometimes it's just me you can go back in the back catalog and listen to my ayahuasca retreat episodes you can go back and listen to my human design episodes with Sarah Salinas from last season you can go back and listen to all kinds of other fun interviews and in conversations the last episode I did was with Nadia Gabrielle who works with deconditioning your subconscious mind and limiting beliefs and she's offering 20% off for to be human listeners for her for your first session so check that episode out and if it resonates you can find her on Instagram at at underscore Nadia Gabrielle to slide into her DMs and see if she has any sessions available so if you have something that you're working through a limiting belief like you're not worthy of being heard, which was one that I was working through, then hit her up. With that said, today I have on the pod Sharon. Sharon is a relationship therapist and we have some wisdom to share with you on, um, I don't know, just like being in relationship and being single and how to create a life that is fulfilling either way so that you're ready for that relationship that is whole and that is not dysfunctional in ways in which sometimes we tend to repeat patterns and things like that. So as a reminder, this season is about healing. And so Sharon and I talk about why it's important to find something you love outside of your relationships. Yeah, that's good. Um, I really loved talking to her about this conversation. Unfortunately, we had technical difficulties recording from she lives in California. I live in New York City. So we were doing it over Skype. We had a technical issue. I lost, I don't even know, maybe 20 minutes of the beginning of our episode there's still plenty of juicy wisdom in here and I can't wait to share it with you but just know we kind of hop in into the middle of this conversation which was why it's important to find something that you really love outside of relationship is where the podcast episodes begins so we missed a little bit including her intro and a little bit about her but um, overall I still think that this episode is really impactful and I'm happy to really really happy to be sharing it. Some of the things that we talk about is how to sustain romance when you're in a long-term relationship, for instance, not necessarily my circumstance, but I know that I had some listeners that hit me up about how to keep the romance alive if you've been dating somebody for years and that the idea of work-life balance when it comes to relationships as well. We talk about how to avoid ending up in unhealthy or abusive relationships we talk about drinking on dates. We talk about keeping a date journal, which I've started doing. So every time after I go on a date, I write down how it went and my first sort of like gut reactions and feelings about it. And I think that this will A, help me identify patterns. B, it helps me kind of take some separation away from the pressure of everything and of like liking somebody and just I don't know have a little bit of separation from the emotion of it we talk about 
the schemas that we learn from our parents as children about how relationships should be and how sometimes what we're doing is an attempt to heal and who we're attracted to is an attempt to heal what we experienced growing up. Um, so we re reenact these similar dynamics to reconcile the pain that we experienced growing up. We talk about why some of us attract unavailable men <laughs> or women. Uh, we talk about healthy arguments and we talk about what it means to, to settle in a world where no one's perfect and what that looks like and kind of how to reconcile that. We talk about grieving and relationships. I mean, it just goes on and on. Um, and then Sharon gives us some of her practical healing tips. So things like her breathwork um, practice and some of her other favorite rituals. So with all of that, please uh, enjoy this episode with Sharon. And you can find her at Sit With Sharon on Instagram. And she has a great Instagram with a lot of really practical tips and good examples of what trauma bonding and relationships look like and kind of like signs and red flags that maybe you're not seeing in your relationships that could be a good sign that this isn't, this isn't healthy. So I hope you love this episode as always would love it if you could rate and subscribe on iTunes just helps get the word out on the podcast. It really means a lot to me. And if you listen on Spotify, which obviously I recommend you do because it's a better experience, honestly, then um, you can follow there to get updates. Find me on Instagram at hello Lauren Hawk. And I think that's what I got for you. I hope you love this episode. Goodbye. So that your source of like fullness and fulfillment isn't reliant on something that can be taken away from you. Yeah. That's, that's great too. Like having something that you're equally as excited about. Um, so that on Thursday when he's not available for a date, you're like, that's okay. I have something I'm just as excited about to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, and then as far as with, with couples go to kind of go back to the work-life balance thing, do you find that do you have any tips for people who are in a couple and they're maybe they started a new job and they're kind of all in on that or they're just feeling really busy, but they want to make sure that the time that they spend with their loved one is significant? Um, maybe they're like stuck in a rut where they just stay home and like watch TV or something like that um, when they could be doing something fun with their free time and with their time together. Do you have any ideas for somebody in that case? Yeah, I think it's really important to establish ritual. Um, and date night is one of them, right? Like you need to have one night per week where you can just spend time together alone, together without phones, without any type of distraction. Um, and, you know, I think an hour or two is an ample enough amount of time, right? We all got to eat. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's really important to, to have that and, and honor that for each other and honor that for the relationship. Wow, that's a really good tip. I, I really like that. Um, I think that's great, even if you're just sort of dating somebody. I don't know. For me, I, when you go back to like figuring out what you like, how many days a week, for instance, that you'd want to hang out with, that you need out of a relationship, I tend to be the kind of person that's like, I want to hang out like four nights a week. You know, I want I want to be part of your life and sort of intertwined there. Um, so even with that, having a night where it's like. But definitely every Wednesday we do something that's like our night to hang out so that you don't you're not left like wondering when the next time you're going to see each other is. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to spend four nights a week together. I think where I see um, spending too much time becoming problematic is when the relationship derails other areas in a person's life. Mm. Right. So you could see the person one night a week or you can see them seven nights a week um, and still be functioning really well, you know, showing up to work and still seeing your friends. I think it's when people go into that sort of all or nothing, right? Like they sort of disappear from their friendships or maybe they're distracted at work. I think that's kind of when it becomes an issue. Mm. Yeah. Do you mind talking about that? I think those distractions are pretty, you know, to being distracted at work when you first start dating. So when he's like kind of, kind of natural, but I think that a lot of people can fall off with their friends and stop hanging out with, with their friends. Do you have is is the recommendation to just be really intentional with like making sure you make time with them, even if really you want to be hanging out with John, you know? Yeah. Or is it different than that? 
I think in early dating, at least, it's so important to have people around you that you can kind of consult with. You can kind of go to when you're feeling like, okay, you know, John did something weird and I need to share it, right? I need to talk about it. When we have that, that sort of tribe around us, we're less likely to end up in a relationship that's unhealthy or abusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other person kind of, we need to be curious about what that looks like in the other person's life as well. You know, is this someone who has healthy friendships, long lasting friendships, and how can we both sort of make a commitment to ourselves and to each other that we're not going to derail, right? Cause it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in early dating, it's natural to have that. It's called like limerence, right? Like we're in this heightened stage of like, when is he going to text me again? When am I going to see him again? Or, Oh my God, the other night was wonderful with him. Like that's our body reacting to um, this new, this sort of novel feeling of being in love, right? Like the serotonin levels in our brains just kind of spike like crazy, the oxytocin. Um, but it's not sustainable, right? Over time, we kind of get used to the other person, we acclimate to them, and then what? Yeah. And then you haven't seen your friends in six months, and you're like, shit. <laughs> They're probably mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, great. Yeah, that's those are all really good points. So um, one thing that you mentioned was drinking excessively on dates. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I was working with a client. I'm still working with her. It's been about a year. Um, and when she came in, she, she'd she say to me, you know, I'm oversharing a lot on these first dates. And the next day, I just feel so, I feel so bad about it. I'm like, well, you know, tell me what's going on. Like, how do you go from being shy and reserved when you get to the, the restaurant or to the bar to all of a sudden oversharing? And she's like, well, you know, I had six classes of wine. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> we need to talk about this. You know, because there, there's the alcohol. I, I have pretty uh, firm boundaries around drinking on dates. Um, personally, I would say, like, the first date, you know, coffee or tea, right, to kind of decide, do I even want to go on a second date? Um, but if you're noticing a pattern of oversharing, if you're noticing, again, like, I'm giving too much too soon, notice, like, okay, what are what are the triggers? Like, what are the things that are making me feel like I need to overshare? It's not. A, it's less about the alcohol. It's more about... Alcohol is the vehicle. It's more about the need to feel like I need this person to want me or to approve of me. And alcohol is one of the ways that I trick myself into getting there. Yeah. That's intense. Uh (laughs) I was absorbing that for a second. Um, Okay. So it comes down to desiring approval from that person. Um. I was I was just reflecting on I just recorded an episode um, a solo episode right before we hopped on this I kind of tried to like bulk them together um, and I was reflecting on a relationship that I had had that I at the beginning felt playful and free and like whole and seen and like all of these and then in a mo- like I feel like it was maybe overnight um, some sort of flip switched and suddenly I'm playing I'm like small and I'm quiet and I'm because I like realize once I start to really, really like somebody, I start to be afraid that if I say the wrong thing, they'll stop liking me. And mm-hmm. so I kind of turn into a whole new person. I'm like, I imagine in front of his eyes changed into a whole new person <laughs> where I was like quiet and and watching everything I said and like trying to be really easy to get along with and stuff, which of course I know like isn't attractive. I, I know that kind of um intellectually, but I still did it in that moment. And I think it's actually a pattern that I've had in the past too where as soon as I begin to feel that I'm, that he's slipping away from me, I turn into a pleaser. Mm. Um, and yeah, and still just like say and do anything to kind of keep him around. Do you know what I mean? I wonder if intuitively you may have felt that he had been triggered or you had been triggered in some way um, before you felt the need to make yourself small. Hmm. You mean like he had done something that triggers me? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I would have to like go back in my time machine and, and try to figure out what that could have been. But but I mean, it, it, it seems kind of like it's something that I do a bit and I'm now I'm conscious of it, mm-hmm. um, which is important, I think. It's, it's important to know our pattern, but we can't always be so heavily attuned at all times right to ourselves like it's it can be really exhausting to to keep tracking ourselves and 
tracking every moment that we feel triggered. One of the things that I like to recommend, at least in the early stages of dating, is keep a journal, right? After every day, come home and just write down just freely everything that comes to your mind about your first impression, your gut feeling, any thoughts that you had during the date, and then just kind of leave it, right? And then you can kind of revisit that over time and look at look at how patterns really start to show themselves early. And sometimes we don't really want to look because we're so excited. Yeah. Chances are there there is likely some kind of trigger in our lives that makes us feel like we need to take a step back. Maybe we're anxious because relationships have not ended well in our lives, either our own relationships or relationships that we grew up around. Um, there's always the sort of schemas or ideas that we have that we believe about the world um, that we Mm -hmm. take into every relationship based off of how we saw people relating uh, when we were growing up like our parents our grandparents anyone that you were around uh, who showed you you know what marriage can be like what relationships can look like and those can really be imprinted in us yeah can you talk a little bit about that about how our parents what I guess like our the, pe- the people with the relationships around us when we're young affect us as we get older and maybe like some cases if you have any specific ideas or just like schemas for instance of um you know people that whose parents maybe fought a lot or um divorced or things like that and how that kind of manifests as an adult yeah I think what comes to my mind um I had a client who grew up in a family where there was some severe domestic violence um and I think through that, she learned that relationships ended poorly, that all relationships are, you know, bound to fail and that they're painful when they fail. And so she's kind of subconsciously went out and recreated that pattern in her own life in an attempt to heal what she witnessed growing up. So, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Harville, Harville Hendricks uh, wrote a wonderful book called Getting the Love You Want. And in it, he talks about how we tend to choose the parent that we struggled with the most and whether or not our our partner actually, you know, has those traits, we reenact a similar dynamic in Mm -hmm. an effort to reconcile that pain that we experienced once and for all. So it really goes to show you how much the, the relationships we witnessed early on can impact how we show up later on in life. And even if you grew up in a family where there was trauma or there was abuse, uh, there is so much resiliency. Our brains are so resilient. Um, it's never too late to start becoming aware of your pattern. And just like, even if you're dating, you know, taking the time to really pause and reflect on like, okay, you know, we went out and it didn't really end well. Like, what was my role in that? You know, it's, it's never too late to learn how to pause in relationships, I think meditation, um, prayer, anything that nurtures the part of you that like separates you from ego, yeah, is such a powerful tool. And just like developing a sense of like self knowledge and and self love, despite whatever your history has looked like, so important. Yeah. Wow. That part about about um kind of trying to heal the relationship with the parent that you struggled with the most is really interesting because I've always thought, sorry, dad, if you're listening, but that like all my issues must come from my dad. Sorry, mom, if you're listening too, because I think the parent I struggled with the most is actually my mom as far as like connecting with her. And, um, you know, still to this day, it's, it's, it's hard. And, um, like me and my dad just get along swimmingly and like our best buds and me and my mom are, don't and we get a lot we get along fine but we don't connect on like super deep levels very frequently and um and I wonder if that's why I magnetize towards men who are unavailable (laughs) is that possible (laughs) it definitely can be one cause um I don't know if you're familiar with attachment theory Uh, a little bit (laughs) Four different attachment styles, right? Secure, anxious, um, I think avoidant. Maybe there are three. I'm botching it right now. But uh, there's a wonderful book called Attached by Amir Levine that goes into these different styles and, you know, how they are formed. Um, Some of us develop a more sensitive nervous system based off of what, 
you know, our genetics look like based off of what our mother's genetics look like. Um, and that can really impact the kind of man that you attract, the kind of relationship that makes you feel the, those butterflies, right? Mm-hmm. On this, on the note of your external relationships, um, reflecting your internal world, which is manifestation in science, <laughs> um, that idea that if you're if you have for instance a subconscious belief that men only want women for sex then you might be attracting men that are that way or recreating it with men who aren't Mm. can you go into that more yeah so our thoughts are very potent you know we we act out based on our beliefs about ourselves and about the world and so I can go into, you know, any type of dating dynamic and sabotage it and, and tweak it in a way that will live out, like, what my thoughts are and what mm. my beliefs are about dating and relationships. And so much of it is just, like, perception, right? If I perceive the world in a certain way, I will create realities that reflect that perception. That checks out (laughs) checks out um okay so moving on I well actually right before I move on do you this is something that I've I've heard before from my listeners and so I just wanted to see if you had any thoughts specifically on the concept of attracting unavailable men um men who are married like if for instance somebody has a pattern of like men coming up to them that are like married or that are in relationships that are like pursuing them even. Um, do you have any ideas on, on why that could be happening? I mean, it's, it's uh, hard to kind of generalize. I think if I am constantly attracting men who are in relationships or married, I would wonder if there's any part of me that's avoiding or fearful of a relationship, of a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. We, we know sort of on a subconscious level, whether or not we choose to be honest with ourselves, like what vibe we give off, mm-hmm. right? What our energy is like if it's, you know, extremely sexual or if it's extremely subdued um, and that will attract unhealthy men, regardless of whether or not, you know, they're in relationships or married. Um, you know, when we go on a date, the other person can kind of feel like that we're not safe yeah right so if I'm constantly attracting a certain type of guy we just kind of get curious around like what's my energy like right now you know what what am I putting out to the world am I a safe person do I trust that other people can be safe as well yeah that's that's profound (laughs) um okay so I would love to let me see if there's anything on my little list here one sec. Oh, do you have any tips for um, fighting or ar- arguing in a in a productive way? Or especially, I guess I would ask, kind of on a ph- philosophical level, but also maybe an actionable. Like, if somebody's in a fight with their loved one, what's an actionable thing that they can do in- within that fight? Mm-hmm. Um, I personally like the idea of setting boundaries around fighting or arguing. I think we reach a certain point um, in an argument where we're no longer productive, where it just becomes sort of like, I want you to feel how I'm feeling because I'm in so much pain. Um, I would say that if you're noticing that you're someone that tends to escalate, tends to say things that they later regret, um, set another time or another date, to continue the conversation, like be willing to pause and say, you know, I'm noticing myself, like naming what you're feeling and taking ownership of that, Mm. setting, setting another time to continue the conversation um, so that you can really reflect on like, well, why am I arguing in the first place? Like we know that we know after a certain amount of time, you know, being with someone or engaging with a family member, like we know whether or not they're going to change. You know, a lot of the time, like our family members are unfortunately are not going to change. Mm-hmm. So rather than continuing this sort of cyclical pattern of feeling let down by them not changing, how can you, you know, reframe that, sort of transform it into an opportunity to look 
look inward, try to get an understanding of like, well, why do I, why do I keep engaging in this knowing what the outcome is going to be? All right. Yeah. And so when you, when you say to the other person, like, okay, let's, let's take a time out. Let's talk, you know, tomorrow at noon. Um, you give the other person, first of all, they don't feel like you're, they're being abandoned, right? If they, if they need to, um, continue the conversation, they don't feel like they're being abandoned. And then you just get to set a boundary, right? The more we can set boundaries around ourselves, especially with regards to anger, the more likely we can repair our relationship. It's when we don't set boundaries around anger or rage that we can really destroy our relationships. Interesting. That's really helpful to know. I like the bit about um, recognizing when you're, when this isn't going to be productive any longer and sort of knowing when to be like, okay, I love you. Let's pick this up. I don't want to abandon you. Like that's, I think that that's really interesting because I think that, you know, our biggest fear sometimes at the end of a fight is that that person is going to be mad at us at the end of the day and not want us anymore. Right. Or with the guy, you know, that you're dating that you still don't completely, you know, fully know where it's going. Like, is he going to leave? Right. Yeah. Maybe wondering the same thing about you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Okay, cool. Um, so I would love to chat about, do you have any other kind of in that scope of what we've been chatting about, any other things that you want to put out there before we get into the questions that people sent along? Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, um, but I'll, I'll kind of chime in if anything cool. comes Okay, cool. Yeah. So the next one is I, is actually my favorite one, which is, sorry, to pick favorite, <laughs> um, but in a world in a world in which nothing and no one is perfect, what does it mean to settle? I love that question. I think that when I hear the word settle, I hear knowing intuitively that someone is not the one or the right one for you and choosing to continue dating, choosing to continue the relationship anyway. Mm. What ends up happening is like a lot of women, you know, reaching their late twenties will start dating in this like sort of desperate attempt to just settle down. Right. And when we're in that place of lack, um, our intuition can't speak to us. Mm. We're so, we're so like up here. We're so in that sort of anxious women. Let me, I need to make this work, rush to the altar kind of, um, place. I think settling is when, there's so many red flags. We're painting them pink. <laughs> yeah. Um, so wow. I'm aware that there are non-negotiables, but I'm so desperate to make this work that I'm going to continue anyway. Yeah. Like, I really like this person. I like so many things about this person, but mm-hmm. it's not the whole package. But I'm going to choose to ignore that for as long as possible and pretend like it's the whole package. <laughs> it's like so- missing the bow. Exactly. I think that's why it's really important to know, like, there are so many qualities that I could want in a person. Ultimately, how do I want to feel when I'm with them? Yeah. Like there, again, like there are so many different ways to reach a certain destination. So how can I manifest, first of all, like, okay, this is how I'm going to feel when I'm with that person. And I'm going to feel calm and I'm going to feel stable and I feel like I can rely on them and also know like as an adult that it's not always going to be perfect and there are going to be things about them that I may wish that I can change but our values are aligned right like we need to look at our foundation and is it are we on the same page about the really important things like financial you know who's going to play what role or you know, do they want children or what are their values? Do they value family over everything, you know, like I do? Do they value career over everything? And am I okay with that? Yeah. Right? It's really important to look at, um, you know, first of all, knowing knowing your own personal values, knowing that just because you grew up with a certain set of values does not mean you need to hold on to them. You know, you have the right to outgrow our families and to really establish our own set of needs and our own set of values. That's true to us without feeling guilty about it. Yeah. That makes me so sad for those people though. It's like when you've invested maybe a year and a half into a relationship and it's going well, you know, but it's like maybe you're 28 and Mm -hmm. it's like, 
you've, and you want kids and this isn't me. I'm just saying it in general, but it's like, if you've invested that much time, it's, it's hard. I'd imagine it's really hard to let that go. If at the end of the day, you're like, there is a finish line I'm trying to get to here. Sure. And I, I think it's, it's necessary sometimes for us to grieve the loss of like the life that we thought that we would have. Yeah. Like we all, you know, not, not all, but a lot of women grew up, including myself with this fantasy of like, Oh, by a certain age, I'm going to be married. I'm going to have kids. And then we became adults and realized, Oh wait, like, do I really want that now? Like I'm, I'm personally loving not having kids right now. I don't know about you, but it sounds yeah. like a responsibility. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's like, there were certain parts of my adulthood I needed to grieve, you know, and that, that can kind of be, what we feel throughout all our life is, hmm, this isn't how I thought it would be. And it's okay. Yeah. Be okay. Yeah. That's, that's good. And I think that kind of touches on the breakup thing. Um, you know, when people are going through breakups, do you have any, any words of wisdom for them? Yeah, I think let yourself grieve you know, let yourself experience every stage of that loss, knowing that going through it is not a linear experience. There will be days when you feel like you're over it and you're okay. And then the next day you might feel like you're not, you're not mm-hmm. completely normal. Um, and then it takes a long time sometimes to grieve a relationship, regardless of how long it lasted, because we're so open. We have so much hope. We place so much time and energy into making it work. You can really feel like a, you know, like a death, right? Like a huge, massive loss has occurred uh, when a relationship ends. Yeah, I think we have the tendency. We can have the tendency to like immediately try to distract ourselves with work and working. Working out, I think, is a, is a big one for girl women who go through a breakup. They're like, I'm just gonna get really in really good shape, which is just like a thing to occupy your mind with and like make yourself feel worthy. I'm sure. <laughs> Um, but instead sitting in that discomfort and pain is going to get you through it faster, I'd imagine. Yeah. You know, I actually had a session last night with a woman who was going through a breakup and she shared something with me, you know, like how evenings can be really, really, really difficult when you're going through or you've gone through a breakup. So creating rituals, uh, nighttime rituals can be so important if it's like, you know, working out at night, journaling at night, doing things that can help you feel joy again. Yeah. In a way that is healthy, in a way that is bringing you back to your authentic self and celebrating who you are. Yeah. So, okay. So back to the, to the bit about manifestation too. So this is so funny that we're talking about this. I have this, um, oh shoot, I need to, I have this list that hangs like on my thing on my on my desk and it says like physical uh, man so I just for the listeners just showed her a post a note that I keep on my desk it says tall six foot dark hair a little scruff fit good arms you know and, it has, like, these things. <laughs> and then it's like energetically light playful happy joy like open-hearted open-minded charismatic passionate so I have these things here and I like also what you mentioned about because it, let me to take a step back I think that it's important to like kind of know what you're attracted to and the qualities that you want out of somebody. But I think arguably what's more important is how you want to feel in a relationship and what you're looking to feel out of something and like somebody. So um, I would love for you to chat about that if you have thoughts. Yes. I think one of the exercises that I like to recommend is, you know, having clients go out, go to a cafe or, you know, even if you're like taking a walk, just envision how you might feel when you're with that person, when they're standing beside you, how would you maybe stand differently? Would you walk differently? How would you feel really like getting, you know, stepping into it as though you already have that, which you're looking for. I don't think there's anything, you know, wrong with being overly specific. I think it's just as important to be specific about what your non-negotiables are. You know, a lot of dating, it's like, like kind of like a numbers game, Right. And so the the more quickly we can move through the people that are not for us, knowing that there are a lot of people out there that are not for us, the, the more quickly we can find the person who is. Yeah, absolutely. It's just that's like the whole key to manifestation too, right? Is like kind of embodying how you anticipate to feel when you have what you have. Act as if. Yeah. 
right? Awesome. If you knew that it was on its way to you or that it was already in your life, what would you do differently and what would you feel differently and what's stopping you from doing those things, whether it's, you know, traveling or going to a nice restaurant, we can do those things on our own too, right? We don't need a partner to be able to, to enjoy life. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Okay. So, um, one more question, I think on this list of questions, and this was actually my question. Um, but I'm really curious and have been really diving into shadow work and kind of trying to figure out like where my shame and pain lies from childhood. And I had like a good childhood. Um, and I had, I need to reiterate this one million times because I think it's just important to say that like, I didn't experience a whole lot of, um, brutal trauma, but I obviously like witnessed my parents' relationship, um, that went through hard times and I witnessed them being together and I witnessed, um, and, you know, also growing up, I, there are things that I, that keep me feeling insecure as everybody has. So how do these, um, so, you know, I've been diving into all of that kind of stuff. And a thing that keeps coming up is like, where do I have low self-worth? Um, where am I, where am I believing that I'm small? And then how is that manifesting itself in the relationships that I have. And I think we touched on this a little bit, but if you have anything to add, anything to add as, as far as, you know, what we, how we, how, what we believe about ourselves affects our relationships around us, that would be lovely. Yeah. I think that looking back, you know, into our childhoods, really becoming clear on like, okay, what, what event was it? that made me feel like I needed to shrink myself. Where did this come from? And befriending the younger version of you that went through that. And there are, you know, ways of like, I recommend, you know, having a photo of you as a child on the background of your phone. Oh. Um, to really like take it, we take this per- little person with us everywhere we go, to every relationship, to every friendship. And so if I can really integrate myself so that I can like have like an ongoing dialogue with this younger version of me and console her when she needs to be consoled and praise her when she needs to be praised. Um, I can maybe heal that. I can maybe really like heal that little girl who was going through whatever it was that yeah. made her feel like she needed to shrink herself and to have like you know, maybe even a meditation practice where you are looking at a younger version of you or embracing, you know, looking into each other's eyes and really making that version, that younger version of you feel seen and heard. Um, you can create a sort of feeling of like safety, you know, knowing like I can feel safe in relationships because I can self-soothe and I can regulate myself, you know, developing the tools to like almost reparent mm-hmm. uh, are, are really important in, in being in relationships that's really good it reminds me of have I'm assuming you've heard of Lacey Phillips and know her well. I have yeah <laughs> because I feel like everybody I interview on this podcast is like yep I'm very wary aware of Lacey Phillips but um yeah that's a lot of her work she has an, a workshop called reparent and a workshop called shadow and you know these words like you go back and and readdress your little you and what you needed to hear at that time. And yeah, I'm, I'm uncovering like day by day, I think just like different things. Like one that I had during, I was on an ayahuasca um, retreat a couple weeks ago. And um, this one that came up was I, I've internalized being good as what will get me approval mm-hmm. and all of the ways that I think I, that I think I need to be good. And one of those is like, like being skinny is being good. And like, Mm-hmm. All these things. Anyway, so I've internalized all of that, and that's how I feel like I'll get approval. And that's how I feel like I'll get the Shirley Temple, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, like, going back in a meditation or in my journal and, like, s- telling that little me what I needed to hear, which is that, like, you can be totally you and silly and crazy, and you don't have to be quiet and good. Like, you can be – you'll be loved for all of your quirks, too, mm-hmm. is so healing. Yeah, that you are enough regardless of how you show up, what you look like, what you do, how productive you are. Yeah. You are worthy regardless of all of those things. Yeah. And it's so cliche to say that like you're, you're worthy, you're worthy, but it's like at one point for me, it just clicked. It's like, holy shit, this is, I don't feel like I'm worthy. 
<laughs> and it was just like one day I was like, oh, that that phrase makes sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So interesting. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, so to finish off, I just want to know a little bit about you. Um, we talk about the season is about healing, as I mentioned the first time we spoke, and about how we're healing ourselves so that we can show up in the world as our the whole versions of us, um, our our shiniest selves. So, however that looks. So, um, you know, I have some questions for you around that, and then just a little bit about you and what you're all about, if that's cool. Of course, of course. Okay, awesome. So to get started, I would love to just know um, what's one practice, one like healing practice that you do or would recommend people do to that they can like do at home? Um, I am a huge fan of breath work, actually. Um, I started doing breath work about four years ago and I discovered, you know, being a therapist and being a healer, we can sort of take on other people's energy. Mm-hmm. good and bad and it was hard to kind of separate myself when I had a client who was really struggling so I, I discovered breath work and it really allowed me to let go of my need to control you know any any outcome that I could have possibly had you know while working with someone and just surrendering that need to fix and to do and just allowing myself to like just be right like I can't even tell you like how many clients I've had where the things that they tell me have been the most healing and the most calming have not been my ability to like educate them on, you know, trauma or educate them on relationships. It's more of like you were there and you sat with me and you were present and you held space. And that, that was what was transformative. And I can't do that if my mind is constantly running through ways of how do I fix this? How do I, how do I help this person? Um, and breath work really allowed me to be present in my own body without, um, trying to control the outcome. I can like take a deep breath, just even like hearing you describe that. Do you have a breath work practice at home or do you go to classes in LA? Um, so I, do I do more intensive breath work uh, at the meditation studio that I go to? It's called Unplug. However, I do have a sort of uh, breathing exercise that I do, uh, which is inhale for four, pause for seven, and exhale for eight, um, eight breath or eight counts. Four, um, seven, eight. Four, seven, eight. And the reason why it's effective is that anytime we're exhaling, for longer than we're inhaling, it's kind of like a, a reset for our nervous system, right? It's hard to, you know, think about anything when you're counting your breaths. Mm-hmm. So doing about, you know, eight to 10 rounds of that in the morning or at night or really any time can be really resetting uh, for me. And also like, it gets me just kind of moving in the morning with a clear head. I really like that. And it wouldn't take that long. What, a few minutes to, yeah, to run through that? I mean, we spend longer on our phones in the morning, so. <laughs> I know, just fucked up. <laughs> Why not integrate, right? Why not integrate a little bit of breath work before, maybe before we get on our phones? I don't know, whatever works better for you. Yeah, this is perfect. It leads right into my next question, which is, do you have a morning routine? And that's part yeah. of it. Anything else? Um, I wake up. Um, I have, like, Sweetgrass, uh, Copal, Palo Santo, in my room and I typically choose, you know, one thing, um, depending on what kind of energy I'm looking for in the morning, mm-hmm. um, light something in my room and I start my day. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Love it. Easy, simple, clear the energy, clear the energy in your head and in your room and get Definitely. going. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I know. I think we carry around a lot of energy, um, things that we pick up from other people throughout the day, things that maybe, you know, triggered us, but we didn't really have the energy to acknowledge. Um, and we can take that into bed with us, right? Like when we try to go to sleep at night, they show up in our dreams, you know, whatever we don't process can show up in our dreams. And so it's, it's really important for me to have a ritual in the morning that allows me to like let go of whatever I didn't process the night before. You know, if I had a, a weird dream, I kind of let it go and move on. <laughs> uh, okay, perfect. So next question, what advice would you give yourself one year ago today? So one year ago, what would you tell yourself if you knew what you know now? Um, I would say take your time, 
you know, have the willingness to really like pause and reflect on whether or not, you know, a certain relationship, a certain career decision is going to, you know, make you feel healthier, right? Like more sound, you know, in mind and in body, or if it's like your ego that's running the show that makes you feel like you need to continue taking on as many clients as possible, going on as many dates as possible. Uh, yeah, really just, just pause. Yeah. And that ego piece is like, just for, I feel like some people um, have a hard time even knowing, and I think me as well, have a hard time even knowing when ego is running a show. Is it like that need to prove something? Is that a way that you could describe that feeling? I think for me, it shows up as the need to fill my time with as much as possible. Mm. When I'm not taking the time to really just sit with myself and check in about like how I'm feeling about what my clients are going through or how I'm feeling about how I'm showing up in the therapy room or in a coaching session. I'm really just go, go, go and, you know, depleted at the end of the week. That's how I know. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. Um, okay. What is one thing that you're really into right now that you like want to scream from the rooftops? It could be a habit. It could be a food. It could be a new thing you're learning about, whatever. Yeah. Podcast. Uh, I started doing figure drawing classes. Actually, it's something that I always wanted to try. And I found the studio down in Silver Lake called Maker's Mess. Shout out to them. They're amazing. Um, <laughs> And it really just became the space for me to express, you know, whatever I felt like I wanted to, you know, get out onto paper using like the image of like the woman's body, right? Like they have um, like a live person who comes in and you get to draw them. And it was something that like made me feel like empowered as a woman, like look at how beautiful our bodies are. And also a creative expression for me to like, get out you know whatever energy I was experiencing throughout the week yeah I love that do you know what I have such a hard time doing new things like that because I am obviously bad at them when I first start and so that it's like that being a beginner mindset that I have a hard time with mm-hmm. um so I really commend you for getting to a class and doing something like that I think it can be it can be hard for our egos to realize that we're not good at everything <laughs> definitely definitely yeah um, okay, one book or resource for specifically since we've been talking about relationships that somebody could read today that might change their change the game for them. Um, I would go back to Louise Hayes' book, You Can Heal Your Life. Okay. Um, I'm a firm believer in affirmations and mantras, anything that you can kind of bring into your day to day in order to really like shift how you think about yourself and how you think about the world. And what I love about that book is that there's like an appendix in the back that goes into like different ailments in the body and where our thoughts um, might be contributing to that ailment. So for instance, it would say like, if you're experiencing back pain, what are the areas in your life that you feel you're not being supported? And it it kind of gives you a sense of like agency, like when Mm -hmm say you're experiencing chronic back pain, there's so much powerlessness, right? Like you're you're like feeling like your, your body is giving up on you, but this book kind of gives you a sense of where is, you know, what's in my power. Like maybe, maybe if I ask for support, you know, perhaps I will feel less um, daunted by this pain. Yeah. I love that. I haven't read that book, but I love her. And so I guess I ought to. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other book you did mention earlier um, was Attachment. Um, yes. So the book is called Attached by Attached. Uh, okay. It's a very, very easy read, um, very non-clinical. So I, I love to recommend that one to all of my couples and to single people who are curious about how they might be showing up in relationships and how um, what their attachment style might look like. It's an amazing resource. Amazing. Okay, cool. Um, and then this can be personal so feel free to skip this one but if you have anything that you're manifesting right now that you'd love to sh- that you'd like to share I'd love to know just on a personal level yeah I think what I'm manifesting right now is uh, really healthy friendships you know mm-hmm. being in my late 20s um, I had friendships that I formed 
you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe when I wasn't in the healthiest place. Mm -hmm. Um, And now all these years later, you know, we have the right to outgrow people whenever we feel it's time. And just because someone fit into your life at one point doesn't mean that they always will. And so having to transition out of those friendships, um, it's like a grief process that I had to go through and, um, and honor. Like my intuition was just kind of saying to me, oh, I don't really know if this friendship really makes sense anymore. Um, but that, that's a transition that I've been facing and really actively. Luckily, there's so many women in LA who are like looking for that as well. It's mm-hmm. been it's been a really fun experience meeting new people. Um, but I'm definitely manifesting a lot around friendship these days. Amazing. Um, how do you, how are you meeting people? Um, so right now I am, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the almost 30 podcast. I think that's how we met. Mm-hmm. So they have chapters. The yeah. They yeah. have chapters, of, in most major cities, including Los Angeles. And we have events sometimes two or three times a week. Wow. Uh, yeah, we have book clubs, we have meditations, and, you know, I've had dinner with many of the women in that group. Um, you know, we'll pick an event and we'll meet each other there. And every time the group is different. And it's it's been such a wonderful experience for me to connect with like-minded women, uh, women who are going through similar transitions and who are curious about how they can level up. Yeah, totally. Oh my God. All right. I'll have to check that out. Cause obviously I'm in New York city. They've got to have a chap- chapter oh, I'm sure. There's probably like hundreds. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Um, amazing. Well, that wraps us up, Sharon. Thank you for coming up to be human. I, it was awesome to talk to you. And I think that our, I think that our listeners are going to get so much from this. Yeah. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, any, any last words? Oh, also where can people find you? Website, Instagram. I just followed you on Instagram. I didn't realize, um, she's got a really great Instagram guys. So do you want to plug whatever? And then if you have, um, yeah, anything that you want to share or plug, please feel free to do that. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is at sit with Sharon. Um, I answer questions about uh, dating and boundaries all the time. I get DMS. And if there's anything that, um, you're curious about, with regards to boundaries, um, dating, you know, learning about your values. I have tons and tons of, um, like worksheets that I give out over email. So oh. you can visit my website, which is SharonPaycar.com, and shoot me an email and I'll be sure to send you one of those. Awesome. Thank well, you. It was great to chat with you. Yeah. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.